The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmitz. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll tide. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Welcome to a weekend editions here. It's Hale Bar City Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, Elijah Herbal. Great to be with you. Well, fellas, we're into August. We are into August. It's official. Let's hope we uh, are talking a uh, month from now about the ramp up. Can join us this morning, 466 3776. 466 3776. 800 825 5865. Numbers to get in. Find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio at Mark Skurs at Herbal Essence. Can email Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Here's what's coming up in about 25 minutes. Our rewind, our sit down. A week later with Steve Warren from the Warren Academy, standout Husker, former Packer. Of course, the showcase of all showcases last weekend, the Warren Academy showcase. So many top area talents on hand. We'll sit down with the big man himself, kind of get his take on things and just uh, the world that Steve navigates, not only with his outreach and his community support, Uh, with the Dream Foundation, but also what Steve's been doing and building with the Warren Academy. And uh, Steve's one of our favorite people, Cranach. We had such a great time with him in Boulder, uh, you know, and things were okay before that fourth quarter, before that overtime. Uh, It was uh, was great to talk to Steve, and we've we've talked to Steve a a lot over the years. Steve Warren's coming up, Brandon Vogel in one hour, and then the Iron Horse, Gary Sharp, will join us. Cranach, it's awesome to run you down. I was sweating on the way here. I saw that on text this morning. It was great. It was, I mean, I, all I could do is laugh when I finally caught up with it. Okay. One, that you were late, and then two, I think a couple texts later, it was like, well, I'm on 33rd and 0 with an empty tank of gas. Well, here's, the, th- be here's the thing. Like yesterday. You hitchhike? No, I, I got here, but it's funny with my, with my Jeep. It'll it'll just kind of blink at you that hey jackass you're you're on empty, and yesterday we did the show from the patio. It was a patio Friday, so we just hooked up the equipment outdoors. It was seventy nine, a little bit overcast, partly sunny, and just fantastic day to do radio outdoors. And Elijah was back here in studio, so we had a, a good couple hours, and I had all day to. And all evening to, to go fill up this morning because as soon as we're done at nine, it's it's off to Omaha for for juniors baseball. And I think he's pitching. Uh, okay. I, I have not had a chance to talk his head coach out of that decision yet, but he thinks he's throwing. So uh, <laughs> so it's 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 locked in. And I set the alarm. I, I made dinner for the family last night. Got a great deal on some super thick ribeyes. So we grilled and we watched a little baseball, and I went to bed at eight o'clock, like eight thirty. I crawled in. Got to be See, an that's early. That's your problem. That's that's when you end up being late. Well, I've I don't noticed get that it. About you. I don't get it. I need to buy the yeah. German Shepherd a new chew toy or something because she has saved my ass more times than I can count. Because I just I I go comatose. So yeah, get up. when you're responsible 
and you go to bed early, it doesn't work. <laughs> now, when you tie one on, you throw down 50 Manhattans <laughs> the night before, then you're here like bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. <laughs> yeah. Half-cocked. Yeah. Wanting, wanting the world to end, but yes. So, long and short, we are, we are kicking off this morning. Do we get a decision this morning? Or this I afternoon, mean, right? Do we, do are we, we get prepared something? for that decision? Like, let's let's step back for it. And the decision that you're talking about is the one coming from new Commissioner Warren, correct? Right. Yes. Out of the Big Ten. The, the he's already written a letter this week telling people to stand down and there's evaluations going on. Are we ready for that decision? Oh. Are we ready for that decision if that decision is... Sorry, guys. Take your balls and go home. We're not playing. He won't listen. He can't. He can't be the first league to. He might have been the first league to be smart enough to go to a ten-game conference schedule. He can't be the first league to cancel. It's unlikely. It's unlikely that they're going to cancel starting today. Right. But the fact that that's even on the table. It's still that dirty if. It, it's still that dirty if word, and I get it. But it was it, it was in this letter, just like it was in the uh, earlier statement this summer about if we play ball this fall, and it got me thinking as I was staring at the the gas gauge, like huh, I've just driven by about fourteen gas stations on the way here, <laughs> but I didn't get up in time enough to. To, to fill up and and roll in, I think we're gonna get some. All right, we're gonna we're gonna get we're gonna get a game. We may get three games. Hopefully, it works itself out so you can you can play as many as you can play. Right, and that's what's good. I, so I would be surprised if today, already on August first, he comes out and just says no, no season. I mean, that's just do we get a schedule? Unlikely. Do we get a schedule today? Mm. Is is the other? Mm-hmm. Do we get? Mm-hmm. I I don't think so, man. I think I gonna, wouldn't think so either because I, I think all the deliberations right now are whether or not to go. Right, and, and probably putting in some, you know, and what happens when you have a Michigan State situation like we just had? You know, seriously, like what? How how does that happen? You have Michigan this week. You have Ohio State this week. Mm-hmm. They have an outbreak. They shut it down for two weeks. Then what do you do? You just don't play. And that's I, just okay. <laughs> I, no, I, I think they quarantine and, and they're trying to align a uniform setup where there's testing and protocols because clearly not everybody's on the same page. And then from a from yeah. a political standpoint, uh, there are governors that that may shut their state down. All right, mm-hmm. they may dial back. That could be Michigan. That could be New Jersey. Based on what's going on there, you mentioned Ohio's outbreak going on. And then you also have differing thoughts. Bill Moose knows that there's probably not going to be a full memorial stadium. He has non got oh, he has he has not gone as far as to say no, we're not going to be at capacity. Yeah. Well, of course. Yeah. But but you've had Ohio State. I, I've I've heard zero announcements anywhere of mm-hmm. anybody saying any stadium is going to be full capacity. Right? And, if, like and, and if you have, you've, nonstop. you know, you've, you've heard initial thoughts from the Michigans and Iowa's and even Texas's saying, well, we'll have a, 
we'll have a full stadium. I mean, that was that was weeks ago. And and now, I mean, Ohio State's plan is is to go twenty percent. And they're kind of the beacon of the conference, right? So if they're at 105,000 and they're going 20K, that's pretty much your standard. Go at 20% with your capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, but you've, you're, you're trying to work things out. And if, you know, Indiana has just resumed their workouts, and that was more basketball related, but they have been able to hit play versus pause. Yeah. Now, Michigan no. State and, and uh, Rutgers, there. They're in the midst of a quarantine. And and I don't know that you shut the whole thing down uh, like they did. The quarantine versus the healthy that, that can practice and can't practice. You know, I don't think it's fair to Nebraska to tell them to stand down or dial back because they've done a pretty good job of handling their business uh, yeah. with with just the, the bubble they've created. Right. Uh, and then the commitment the players have shown yeah. uh, versus, you know, a Rutgers where dudes are going to parties, several parties. Well, and plus you're, you know, a lot of those folks are from New York, New Jersey. Okay. They're just in, you know, Bigger subways. Yeah. They're, they're in they're in situations where it's a little different than sure. what it's like here in the Midwest. Did you see yesterday too? Wandale Robinson put out uh, a little preview of what the helmets are looking like. There is now a full face shield. On the helmets. So so sometimes you have the visor just mm-hmm. over the eyes, but then the cage, the lower cage is still exposed. Well, that part how it now has plastic over it as well. I, so I'm, I'm looking at that right now, and yeah. this is a legit question with that. How do you breathe? Well, Does it fog up? Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. the breathing part's going to suck, but they'll make it happen. Of course, I'm uh, sure that was considered. The, the but then fogging, at that point, the you're sort of like, part "Hold is, on, if that's if that's breathable though, and it's plastic, what is it really doing?" <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm talking we, about I'm talking about the fog. <laughs> well, yeah, we put a mask know, on with shades, like, like high mom on it. Yeah, you know? we've we've put we've all thrown the mask on and we've had our, sh- our sunglasses on and that thing fogs up in about two seconds, especially <laughs> yeah, those like of us that are the back window when you're a kid and you just write, you know, whatever on the windows. There's art. It'll be a new thing. There's artwork. Maybe that's what the players going to do this year. Instead of like writing stuff on the eye black, they're going to write it on the little screen. Uh-huh. Totally. Their area codes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But of course, they're going to do it backwards. And so it's just going to look terrible. It's going <laughs> to. Right. That's pretty it's like good. you're doing it for the wrong. You know, you have to do it so the other people that's going to be a mess but that's so that's one thing that's already happening just physically is that they're going to have these plastic shield mat it doesn't look a ton different to be honest like from a distance you're not going to be able to tell uh but up close you would be and then yeah what does that do i guess to breathing or what i don't know i'm sure they thought of that right i don't think it's just going to be some plastic shield that suffocates the players i would hope (laughs) I would hope hey, we avoided COVID, but everybody suffocated and died. Like, I don't think that's the plan. Uh, so if you could pick three games, say say you get three in before it all goes to hell. <laughs> okay. <laughs> three Big Ten games? Yes. And so so three Big Ten opponents is what Three opponents. Saying. Who are you picking? All right, we need one. We need one cupcake in there. There is no such thing in the Big Ten, Krynak. Oh, come on! You are hook, line, and sinker. Come on, you got it. 
Look, Rutgers, Maryland, the cupcakes. <laughs> no. Right? Yeah. You, see, you're, you're, Comparatively. You're, you're looking at this as, let's go 3-0 and and crown a, crown a division championship. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm looking at it as, you need your equivalent of your tune-up game. You need your equivalent of playing Pacific oh. or something. Right? And if, if you only can go big, I think you need to start off with one of the garbage teams. Rutgers or Maryland. <laughs> Sorry to call them that. All the Rutgers and Maryland fans driving around Lincoln right now. Because sure there are furious. so many. Yeah. Um, right. So let's go with Rutgers. Right. They're already the rosters depleted because uh-huh. of COVID. They're you know, Greg Schiano's cleaning house. They're a mess, I'm sure. So start with them just to get yourself right. Get some of the young guys some reps. Ben Art, right? Right. Bryce Bennart, get him some reps over at right tackle, like, Start with that, and then let's just go straight into. We need a middle of the road, which is pretty much the whole Big Ten. Um, Northwestern. No, because that guarantees low scoring and boredom. <laughs> um, it also guarantees being able to finish a tight game. I, I, I'd go Purdue because okay, point points will happen. It'll at least be entertaining. Let's go Purdue. And then close it out with, hey, let's close it out with Wisconsin. Okay. Let's see where you're at. How, what do you got? I, my, my three are this, and, and I'm going kind of sort of with you. I want to keep the, the Purdue game as the kickoff because of, of how back and forth that has been for two years. Braum and yeah. Frost is very tasty. And scores. Yeah. They're, they're scoring in that, in that matchup all the time. And, and you have an offense with uh, Rondale Moore. And uh, their other stud wide out, and Purdue just they just find a way, right, to to make you miserable if you're a Nebraska fan. At least the last two years, can't call them per don't anymore, right? No, you, I mean you'll need the Boilermaker to to get through the fourth quarter versus celebrate a win, right? And give me Purdue to start. I want to see Minnesota and Fleck. Oh, okay, and then yeah. and then yeah. let's let's end it with Iowa. Okay, you know, fair. You notice that we are completely wussing away from <laughs> well, Penn State, Ohio State, and Michigan. Like the three teams that are, you know, the <laughs> perennial powers in a three-game slate. We're sitting here saying we want none of that because we want a chance to go three, you know. Well. Is that what we're saying? Why are we avoiding that? Because, Crane, I, I, I don't. Let's find that. Let's get on the couch here. We I, don't need think a little, they're, I don't think they're ready. We need to, <laughs> you don't think Nebraska's ready? You don't think Penn State? And- no, I don't. <laughs> Let me clarify. That's right, Elijah. I don't, I don't think Nebraska is ready. I mean, No, Elijah's right. Ohio State is not ready for this. Clearly they're not. <laughs> no. Clearly they're They've- not. And, and if Nebraska gets to uh, invoke their I-formation option attack like the one drive that was successful a year ago when game oh. day was here, Ohio Dude. State's in trouble. They didn't all, know what hit them. In all seriousness, though, no. I mean, if you're going to play the Ohio States and the Penn States because they're on the schedule, God willing, you don't want them out of the gate. You need to to build up to them. And I, I'm going to chalk this year up, and it's not planting the seeds of excuse. It's the way I really do look at this season. And I kind of go off of what Coach Tuioti was saying with some of the young guys that they're excited about. Okay, he's the most positive coach on the 
entire roster he, in terms he, of, like he is he all he talks it like every single one of those guys he doesn't say it like this but you come away after listening to him thinking you know, there's a pretty good chance all nine of those guys will be all Americans <laughs> by the time it's all said and done. Hey, I mean, seriously, maybe. he is that effusive. No, I know, but my point is, is there are there are some some dudes that have put the work in in the weight room. They just need a chance to get comfortable on the field. So is that is is that the year? Is this the year it it translates? Because okay, look, when they get here, they got here. So, uh, winter of 2017. Going into 2018, yeah. Yep. Going into 2018. So you now have all of 2018, all of 2019, and then now 2020 in Zach Duvall's program. Now, within that, you have had a lot of attrition. So even though the staff has been here for three years, it's not like they've been working with a ton of players that have been here all three years, but a handful of them, enough. And then even the ones that they haven't, still, a year or two as that thing has gotten established. And by all accounts, that's sort of what they're going to be defined by. I mean, Frost hangs his, I don't know, he he hangs his success on that element of the program, more so than most programs. Everybody conditions, everybody strength and condition, everybody does that. But it's emphasized to a different degree here. Is this the year that starts to actually show the fact that these? Because um, look, if you if you watch it on social media, you don't have to know a ton about weightlifting and powerlifting or whatever to know that those dudes are throwing around some serious weight. Mm-hmm. Like they're like, are you are you concerned? Do you think that there is a program out there that is outdoing Nebraska in that department? No, I don't. Pro- probably not between the lines of the weight room. But when you you talk about translation, though, it's going to come down to experience. I mean, there are some guys, Ben Stilley's played a lot of football. DeAndre Thomas has been in a lot of games. Ben's the only guy that's started and and been on the line of scrimmage, him and Damian Daniels. He's when damn it, near a four-year starter coming into this year. When it's third and four, and you got to get a stop and got to get off the field, all right? So you've got few of those guys to pick from, but how quickly do the guys that, that get a chance to start, in, in your linebacking core, Honus and, and Miller, they've they've seen and, d- and done a lot, and then your, your secondary's been there for 100 years. So yeah, I think I think you're you're going to see some of that translation, but it's all got to start with not getting pushed around on the line of scrimmage, Cranek, and and I think yeah. Nebraska is going to be in better position with more bodies to stop that from happening on both lines of scrimmage. So I think you've got a, a a better chance to see some translation this year. Now, you and I both know it's easy to be a spot spot guy where you come in and get 12 snaps or 10 snaps or whatever your role is. I mean, you're going to be asking a lot from a, a DeAndre Thomas to, all right, man, go go win one of these spots and, and give us 50 snaps a game and just don't just don't be a body, but go be a playmaker. That's the other thing. The guys that, that have been around the program a while, what's their jump 
look like mm-hmm. to from just being a body, and that's not disrespectful, but to being a guy that's a playmaker. Are you a, are you a caretaker? Or are you a player? Or, or are you a playmaker? Okay. Well, like still, he's interesting question. to me because you know that he has a. He's got an athletic like base to him. Uh-huh. You know, if, if you think about him coming out of high school, they would put him back as they would drop him as a free safety. They would split him out as a tight end. So he has an athletic base. Well, he's an State outside champion. linebacker too. his first time here at Nebraska. I mean, he was exactly. he was about a little bit about later, six, about 60 pounds lighter. But he's essentially a four year starter at this point coming into this year. Right. Freshman year. He's yeah, they, they have him as an outside linebacker and. I want to say he led the team in sacks or was close to it. Three and a half, yeah. Yeah, which wasn't a lot, but still, you know, not bad for a guy that's only a freshman. Then, second year, he's trying to learn the new defense like everybody else and trying to put on pounds. Last year, I think maybe, I don't know, I'm not not sure he was ever comfortable at that weight and or injuries, not sure. But this year, it'll be his third year in that same position working with that strength and conditioning program three straight years. Like he is one of the few guys that has seen it through and has been working with Duvall and Frost since they got here. So you would think someone like him would now very much benefit from that. A guy that's already got an athletic base and is now in year three of that strength and conditioning program, right? He's sort of the, he's sort of the case in point of what you're after. Of what the of what the program wants to do, period. Develop guys over several years, guys that have athleticism, but maybe not the size or whatever, but they have the frame. That's Stilly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? He's I mean, he's almost the poster child for what they're trying to do. So will that translate? And will that turn him into a guy that wreaks havoc? Or a guy that's just, you know, on the field and does his job? Who knows? Well, what do you get too out of out of a Casey Rogers and Tate Wildeman? They've been in the program. They've dealt with some injuries. They understand what they're supposed to do. But what type of production do you get when they're called upon? Yeah, because they'll be asked to give quite a few snaps. And then mm-hmm. Keem Green, right? I mean, Keem needed to learn the playbook per Tui Tuioti. He needed to get in better shape. And Both Jordan the, Riley is another one. I mean, that guy's just giant. My God, at 6'6", 335. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that, then you got Damian Daniels. That's also that. I mean, yeah. you have a potential if those guys are ready to play. I mean, they could sub guys in and out quite a bit. What I'm looking at they when, could. I, when I'm looking at the D line is, yeah, the size is there this year, but who's going to be that pass rusher? That's something that the team's no. lacked for the past two years under Frost. Is no one's been able to step up and be that pass rusher on third and long. So where is it coming from this year? That's my question. Well, I, I think you go back to Stilly, don't you? Based on some of his history. I think history. DeAndre Thomas has a chance, too. Yeah, and, and DeAndre's changed his body and changed his position, right? I mean, he's 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 big, but he's leaned up. I mean, he redshirted in the midst of all of this to kind of commit to, to learning what he needed to learn. And with, with Damian Daniels, we've seen him play really good football. Mm-hmm. Uh, when, oh, he's capable. No, he's totally capable. But what's now, how how much does that zoom out? I mean, how how much good football do you get of him? Yeah, pass rush though. I'm not sure that you know. I don't know. I I, I don't. Do you I don't see? see I don't see a Randy. I don't it. see a Randy Gregory just on this <laughs> roster. Yeah. Do you? 
No. No. I think you're going to get pressure from the linebacker position. You're yeah. going to have to get creative. I don't think you have – at least no one has proven that they are yet. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Maybe that person is there. But Nebraska does not have an elite pass rusher that we've seen. Well, is or, that is that guy Nico Cooper? I mean – Who knows, right? I, I'm just saying – but they don't have one that we've seen. Maybe that person exists. Maybe they'll emerge this year, but – from what we absolutely know, 100%, there's no, there is not a, I wouldn't even say not even elite, not even, I don't even think there's a great pass rusher. Quick question. Do you think we see more four-man front? I mean, you've got a bunch of bodies. you got a bunch of dudes. You, you've got a number of guys to choose from. Stilly, Thomas, Rogers, Wildeman, Green, Ty Robinson, Riley, uh, <laughs> You can you can rotate a number of guys. Maybe. The reason I ask that is, I mean, it is what it is in Big Ten play when it comes to rushing yards per carry against your defense. Yeah. <laughs> Give me another number up front there to at least stop the stop the bleeding. Now, Chinander has said before too. He's not. He's not such a 3-4 stalwart that I don't even think he considers himself a 3-4 coach necessarily. He's like, we'll play whatever. <laughs> we'll line up however we need to line up. Well, you know, you're, not like your that. line's cross-trained to be able to play interior and, and on the edge. Right. So I think they'll mix it up. Yeah, I think you'll see. This year's so interesting just for kind of that reason is I just think you have – now, hardly any of these guys are proven options. No, I know. But you have a lot of options, a lot, that aren't lacking. You, you know, you're not sitting there saying, okay, we got to throw Rudy in. Right. You know, because we're just out of bodies. Like, that's not the case. You have multiple, multiple defensive tackles and defensive ends who fit the mold physically of what you're looking for. They Tons of guys. Lots of combinations. Damn near 10, right? Mm, you got the bodies. Yeah, we'll, we'll they're talk. all there. They're all there. And it's been a while since you could say that. No, they've done, they've done a good job of building <laughs> up some depth and options, and we'll yeah, see. There's, there, but there's always been those positions where you're like, okay, we got we're out of options, and so you're, you're sort of stuck with you have to play four. a walk <laughs> That's Mark Cranach, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Weekend Edition of Hale Varsity Radio. More thoughts uh, on that uh, defense and the defensive line with uh, one of the the best at Nebraska. And uh, he has done a great job with the Warren Academy. Our our Rewind is next. That's Steve Warren. And uh, he'll recap the Warren Academy showcase. That's on the way with Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. With Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, with Chris Schmidt and Mark Cranach. Back into it at Tower 2, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Let's get caught up with uh, former Husker standout, guy who does so much in the community with the Dream Foundation and the Warren Academy, Steve Warren, with this big old number 96. Steve, what's good, man? How you doing? I'm doing well, Chris. How about yourself? I'm, I can't complain. Just living the dream right now. Well, good for you, man. And I wanted to get caught up with you after the, uh, the showcase this past weekend. And I want to go back to your experience. You're a guy who, who got a scholarship to Nebraska. 
Nebraska, but as you were growing up, what was your own exposure like for college football programs? I mean, how did how did how were you able to get on Nebraska's radar, other teams' radar where you grew up? Oh, uh, back then it was it was way different than these kids experience now. Like we didn't have Snapchat or Twitter or Instagram to kind of post things instantly. You know, everything back then was VHS tapes. So we <laughs> sent out our tapes. Uh, we sent out our tapes. We went to camp. Coaches did a lot more foot traffic than they had to do today. You know, they had to they had to physically go see kids a lot more and sooner. It, it was a lot different experience. But you know, it's one of those things that you're. We always tell kids if you're a good player, they'll find you. Steve Warren is with us. How uh, soon did you get on Nebraska's radar and who were some other schools that were interested in you? Uh, it, it was pretty soon. My Actually, my first letter um, and my first kind of uh, a recruitment experience, I was a sophomore in high school and the University of Tennessee was very the very first school that contacted me. And I was kind of shocked. I was sitting in class and a letter comes, you know, to my desk and it's a big orange bright letter and it's Tennessee and, you know, I'm just a sophomore in high school at the time so I don't have a clue what the hell is going on. <laughs> Um, and why they're contacting me. But then after that, it just kept rolling. It was school after school, and Nebraska jumped on pretty soon, not too far after that, my sophomore year, and started started contacting me. And from there, it just kind of rolled. You know, of course, Missouri, being from Missouri, Illinois, all the big eight, soon to be big 12 teams for the most part, Oklahoma State. Uh, you know, they, they all contacted me at some point and, and recruited me. And then, you know, as far down as, as Alabama. That's impressive. Did that letter sing Rocky Top or was it just a big old orange, orange <laughs> uh, back, t- eight by ten? Back then it was... Back then, it was more of like a form letter, you know, like you've been identified as one of the top kids in your class, and um, you know, can you send us your height, weight, measurements, and everything was pen and paper too. That was the other thing is, it was pen and paper and fax machine. So that's how we that's how we communicated, or, or, or by regular house phone, which is way different than today. You know, nobody's got house phones anymore for the most part. So it was it was. Uh, it was, it, was, it was interesting. It's interesting to see in the last 20-plus years how things have changed. Yeah, Steve Warren, what's a landline, right? Uh, so let's, uh, <laughs> let's, yeah. let's uh, kind of zoom out now to, to what Warren Academy is and, and kind of your, your mission for it. And, and listen, you, you've always cared about people, and uh, you've done that through mentoring. Yeah. You've done that through Dream. You're doing that with kids uh, when it comes to their training. And what what did Saturday mean to you? And, and kind of take us through getting ready for it because it had to be just incredibly stressful based on the pandemic we're facing. I mean, it's it's not a normal year, obviously. No, not a normal year. The good thing for us is that with training and the academy having – um, facilities already running and operating and we were already having kids coming in and out parents in and out we had procedures in place to help them to help protect them to help protect ourselves uh, you know masks were required by our coaches um, and anybody that was coming into the building um, we had most of the stuff we you know we checked temperatures as they walked through the door we went through the COVID checklist with every person that came through the door so we already had those procedures in place just because we've already been doing it and something that we do every day right now that part wasn't as stressful for us it was really just making sure that we were that we were doing what we were supposed to be doing steve warns with us few minutes hail varsity radio the warren academy showcase this past weekend steve you've trained a lot of kids that have gone on to to their dream and that's to play college football at different spots and at what point did you notice that there is so much 
area talent. I mean, you've got some really high-profile kids in, in the, the metro region, yeah. in, in the surrounding Omaha area, and then the state of Nebraska, and, and even some surrounding states. But at what point during the, the Warren Academy or, or your involvement in training did you did you see this uptick, this explosion? Because it feels like, quite honestly, you know, being, around, being from Nebraska, you had a lot of local high-level talent 20, 25 years ago. It feels like this is kind of a 2.0 of that with so many really high-level kids in this area. It, it is it is really taken off in the last few years with the with the amount of talent that is coming out of the area. Of course, you got the kids coming to just across the river in Iowa there. And then, you know, Lincoln's always had a, a good pool of talent. And Omaha is just developing more and more talent. I, I think it's, it's a testament to the high school coaches that they're, you know, they're really working on their craft with these kids and their position craft and really paying attention to, you know, what's kind of the trends going on around. And the game has changed, of course, right? So for a lot of the kids that were around here, you know, it's, 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 it's fitting their skill set for the teams that are recruiting them. You know, a lot we got, we've always had big kids in Nebraska, right, like linemen. Um, but the linemen and the tight ends um, have been really impressive to see. You know, the skill position players, you always get one or two or three or four of those guys. But we have a ton of big kids, and we have a ton of big, strong, fast kids um, that are pretty, uh, pretty athletic. So that's – that's the part for me that's been exciting is to see the big the, the big boys get some love. Those big guys, I mean, it seems like you, you throw a dodgeball anywhere and you're going to hit kids that are six five and two bills and above, and they can run specifically that tight end position. Why do you think there's so many high level tight ends in the region? The, the game, you know, the game changing. You know, before those kids. Would have been would have been made to be like inline blocking tight ends, right? right? Or inline, or or they would have made them tackles or guards. Now, because the game is so vertical with the passing game, those kids that are big and athletic now get a chance to display that skill set. Where before, you know, a lot of those kids would have just played basketball, or they wouldn't have played football because they're like, well, if I play football, all I'm going to be doing is blocking. Mm-hmm. Now. Now they now they have a chance to go out and, and and show that athletic ability and and run routes and jump over the top of people and catch balls and it's more exciting for them now. You know the game changed from being more of a ground game to more of a passing game, so those kids have gotten more opportunities now because that's that's their skill set. What type of uh, changes and evolution have you seen? on the lines of scrimmage, specifically, you know, your forte, the defensive side, what type of tricks in your tool bag do you need to play D-line nowadays? It, it, it's still the same. The defensive line for me is still the same stuff. You've got to have great feet. Um, you got to have good hands, and you got to be physical. That part's never going to change with defensive line and offensive line play. Um, the, the, the best thing about it now is that these kids are more athletic because they're doing more – training that's developing athleticism right it's just not about it's just not about the weight room anymore and you know as we kind of laugh as a staff you know being guys that have played in the nfl so many of these kids just get caught up i need to lift a ton of weight and i need to be strong and you know the old husker power stuff but that's not that's not football anymore you know like you've got to be able to move and these kids now are, are figuring that out. We always used to say as a staff and as coaches, you know, the weights don't fight back. You know what I mean? Those weights, you can, you can move away. You can move 300 pounds in a weight room, but can you move a 300-pound man that's moving his feet and fighting back? 
And so kids are starting to figure that out. So we still got a long way to come in that area. You know, still, still people still put a whole lot in, you know, just thinking they need to lift six, 700 pounds and you don't. Um, you need to be able to move and you need to be flexible and you need to be athletic. And with the academy, that's what we focus on is making sure you're big, strong, and athletic because that's the, that's, that's the game once you get to the next level. It's about being athletic. It's not just about being strong. Strong is strong is something that you've got to check off in the first box anyway. If you're not strong, you're not going to play. Mm. So that's not something that's a, that's a basic requirement. Now you've got to go beyond the basic. Steve Warren's with us. The Warren Academy, the Dream Foundation, Hale Varsity Radio. Past weekend you had the Warren Academy Showcase. Steve, 142 kids and some, some high-profile recruits. Deshaun Woods, Carney, a kid, of course, a kid from... Uh, down south of Lincoln uh, with Norris and Thomas Fedoni. And uh, the, the, the whole world kind of knows about Thomas Fedoni uh, around this region, not only with you know, his recruitment, but also just uh, what he has been able to display uh, with that size and athleticism. And what do you remember about Thomas when he first came to your camp? Well, he started with us about a year and a half, two years ago, so a little over two years ago now. Um, and the first thing I remember about him is like how long and athletic he was. Like he wasn't, he didn't have the mass that he has now. He was just more, he looked more like a, like a basketball player to tell you the truth. Um, he was just really long and, but he had tremendous hands. He's always had those tremendous hands, but he's worked his tail off to get stronger. He's gotten quicker. Um, he looks like a college athlete right now. Um, and, but, but the one thing I remember about him is just his length and, his ability to get to, to to catch the ball almost in any rarity is he I don't know if I've ever seen him really drop a ball. He's got tremendous hands. Well, the just the the footage I saw him, the way he comes out of his breaks and and the way he's able to to pinpoint the ball and yeah I again I was not there Saturday but just you're right with his hands but you mix that hands with the athleticism. Is it fair to say yeah. you've seen a shift? I mean. A lot of the basketball kids that, that want to play football or, or those multiple sport guys uh, thriving in football, is, is that – have you seen them be able to focus the different parts of their athleticism into football from different sports? Yeah, I think I've seen we, – we've seen that now, you know, kids that are multi-sport athletes, and we're, we're a multi-sport athlete organization. We don't believe kids should specialize. Mm-hmm. Um, so – we're we're seeing that with the kids that we know. Most of the kids that we have play one, play at least two sports, um, and that's good for them. You know, they're 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 able to you know cross train and to be able to get uh, a different exposure to athleticism, and it translates to the football field. Uh, so we're we're definitely seeing that in our game. Steve, uh, a thought here as, you know, you, you want to do this showcase, you've wanted to put a showcase on and bring kids together with coaches and, and get the exposure, 142 kids for this for, this first showcase. You know, how does it get bigger and how does it get better next season? What, what do you want to do uh, as you move forward? Well, it, it'll definitely be an annual event. Um, we got great reviews from all the coaches. Um that were able to be in attendance and of course all the writers that were there um a lot of the parents that have been traveling around the different uh combines and showcases um a lot of them told us that you know this is the best one they've been to um so that was good to hear as our very first one but you know we're football guys so we understand the difference with us with a lot of other groups that try to do this is 
you know, we've got the background and everything from the speed and agility to the to the strength training to combine prep to coaching and position drills. We've got it all in house, um, and that's what makes us a lot different than anybody else. Is that um, we don't have to specialize in one thing because we have somebody that does it all, and we've all been through it at a high level. And there's no other group that can say that. So. We're, we're, we just took our expertise and we poured it into one day, something we've been wanting to do for a while, and the time was just perfect for us to do it. And then the need was there more than anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, so we just went and fulfilled that need. Steve, when it comes to recruitment, do you want the best for the kids? And uh, if, if you're asked, I'm sure there's advice you can give on the other side of things. Who did you lean on during your recruitment process? That's how we started the interview. That's how I want to kind of end it. You know, it's it's a different time, and uh, there's eyes everywhere, which is a great thing for kids who want to go play ball. How were you able to, to sift through all of these offers and, and kind of land where you landed? I was fortunate that I had an older brother that um, played college football at the Division two level, so he had been through it somewhat um, from recruiting and, you know, talking to coaches and, and kind of what to do, what not to do. Um, but, of course, you know, my experience was was a lot different than his at the level that we were getting recruited at. Um, so there was a lot of it that I, that I kind of just learned on the fly. Um, but my older brother definitely helped me out. Um, there weren't a lot of guys in my area at the time that, that had that experience, so it was – it was definitely just, you know, talking to my coaches, um, talking to my parents, and then just just paying attention to my gut. That's what we tell these kids now is, you know, you, you'll, you'll know if something feels right if it doesn't feel right. If something feels off, it's off. Um, if something feels good and it feels like that's the way it's supposed to be, then it, it's good. But also don't fall in love with recruiting. These, jo- these guys' job, when they're recruiting you, is – their job is to make you fall in love with their school, right? <laughs> but once you get there, that all changes. No matter where you go, it all changes because once you get to school, it now becomes your job and responsibility to become a player. And so all the nice gift wrap clothes and the pictures and the stuff that they do for you, then all that changes. All that changes. The recruiting part is a fairy tale. The real work comes afterwards, so don't fall in love with the fairy tale. Do you talk to kids about social media at all with with the recruitment process, just yeah. the fan base? I mean, that's fan base is, is passionate at a lot of spots, but uh, that's something that, that is real, and kids can get caught up in it, can't they? Yeah, they, they, it's easy to get caught up in it. And, you know, they, these kids have a, a very tough job these days because there's so much exposure and there's so many cameras and there's so many things going on and so much instant access to stuff and sometimes that's dangerous um but for the most part most of the kids that we deal with are pretty mature kids mm-hmm. um as mature as you can be at 16 17 years old of course but sure. they're they're pretty mature kids and the ones that get it you know get what you use social media for and what you do and what you do not do on social media Steve, best to you. Congrats on your success, and we'll do this again. Thanks for a few minutes. Thanks for having me. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmitz. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now... Roll Tide. And Mark Cranach. 
time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Thanks for hanging out. Hour two, it's weekend edition. Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, Elijah Herbal is in. Good stuff from Steve Warren. His, uh, his past weekend, uh, a success. The first ever Warren Academy. Good to hear from uh, Coach Warren. We welcome in with HailVarsity.com and Magazine, the managing editor and uh, author with John Cook, Dream Like a Champion. Brandon Vogel is with us at Brandon L. Vogel on Twitter. Vogues, how's your Saturday? I was going pretty well watching my, uh, let's say, 30th hour of Ultimate Frisbee since uh, sort of quarantine slash social distancing has started. So, you know, pretty standard. Not a bad sport, actually. Well, what, A, what channel is it on? And B, could you compete in Ultimate Frisbee? Um, <laughs> no, no, perhaps. No, not with these guys. Uh, it's on FS2 at the moment. Um, so if you want to, if you want to sample that, it's a pretty game. It's like it, it's got some strong football elements. Um, so, so I've enjoyed it. I've never even heard of this sport. Um, yeah, so I don't know how many players there are uh, per side, but they play on a big, like uh, basically soccer or football field, um, and the goal is to move the move the disc down the field, uh, all goals, which are, you basically have end zones. Uh, you have to catch the, catch the disc in the end zone. Uh, all goals are worth one point. Uh, when you catch the, the disc, you've got like a couple of steps to slow down, but then you basically have to stop uh, and they mm-hmm. defend you. So you've got a pivot foot. Um, and I mean, just watching these guys kind of, so you get like downward down the field route running. Um, some of the throws they make are pretty amazing. Uh, it's, it's, it's been a surprisingly fun sport to watch. So how would the 2020 version of Nebraska football translate to the Frisbee field? <laughs> um, you know, a lot of use at wide receiver still needs to get figured out. So not much different, I think, than uh, they might on the actual football field. Uh, they would certainly have some there's, – there's a lot of, uh, I guess you'd call them jump discs. Um, I don't know what what it might be but uh that's that's kind of a key part of the sport so omar manning would be would probably be pretty good at that part no question about it uh, brandon vogel is with us as we break down ultimate frisbee because covid uh here we are so are we expecting kevin warren the big 10 commissioner to make an announcement today tomorrow this weekend and what do you think the contents of that announcement will be um, I would be surprised if it if it happened today. The, the Big Ten put out that letter, basically saying, "Hey, hold tight. Uh, decisions are coming in the next five days." I'd be a little bit surprised if they if they dropped that on the weekend. Uh, it seems like the time would have been for that would have been yesterday, or we'll probably make it until at least Monday. Um, it seems as as far as what that might be. I think there's a chance that. So the SEC and the Pac-12 basically came out and and said they're planning to start in late September. I would now be surprised if the Big Ten didn't follow suit uh, to some degree. That seems to be kind of the prevailing opinion now is is later September is better. And with that probably comes, uh, I would say, a a delayed start to to fall camp. You know, Nebraska is scheduled to, to be able to start August 7th, you could maybe leave the, hey, you can start then if you want, 
uh, provision in place. I don't know if you'd keep the, the kind of same time restrictions for how much teams are able to practice, but realistically, I don't think you, you want a team uh, going through seven weeks of, of fall camp. Uh, that gets a little bit monotonous and probably counterproductive at a certain point. So I would expect most teams to probably push back the start of fall camp a little bit if the Big Ten does, in fact, start in late September. You know, I, I, Vogues, you look at some of the, the other announcements, the, the Pac-12 and with what the SEC is doing, do you think the Big Ten saw that and said, let's let's not be first, but let's not be Early and it's and it's not a contest. I'm I'm not saying that, but just from a a reality of look, students are going to return to campus here in three weeks, two and a half, yeah, three weeks. So let's give us a little wiggle room based on what could happen from a a numbers standpoint of of COVID cases with kids coming back. And do you worry about that if you're a football coach with uh, the student body coming back to campus after that first week of online learning only. Uh, the fact that kids will be in classes together where you could have, despite your best efforts, you could have infection numbers. Do you worry about your team going to class versus the online option? Um, I would worry. I would worry less about class and more about just having more students around and more things happening on campus. I mean, as we've seen with some schools, you know, college kids are going to be college kids. And it's even though I'm sure these messages have been stressed to the the utmost degree, it's it's hard to to tell them like, hey, I know you want to like go out and do college things and, and have fun with your friends. Just don't right now you bring more students on campus. I think that's probably the bigger thing than, than classes though. Anytime you're getting together with, with more people than you would normally or absolutely have to at the moment, um, you're increasing your risk. I, I mean, I think the, the move to delay the, the start is, is really just a reflection of kind of the overall caseload nationwide. You know, the, the NCA said it a couple of weeks and they said, Hey, when we, when we stopped everything back in the spring, we thought we would be here at this point and we're not anywhere close. Everything is way higher. So you, you kind of got to react to the, the second surge that we've had of, of this disease. And I think that's why we're looking at late September for most things now. <clears throat> Brandon Vogel is with us on Hale varsity radio. Um, so if it's a late September start, Chris and I were talking about this earlier, late September start, Let's go ahead and assume there will be some interruptions throughout the year. Let's say you're guaranteed three games. That's it. What are the three opponents you would like to see Nebraska take on, and for what reasons? Uh, you 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 complete the quadrangle of hate with the Iowa, Minnesota, and Wisconsin. Um, <laughs> so you just do that, but then that's that could be an zero and three. That would that could make for a very dark. COVID heavy winner. <laughs> it, 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 it could, uh, which is my case anyway. <laughs> um, but I mean, those are, so those are teams like Nebraska's got to be right now. I mean, you know, Minnesota wouldn't be in there every year. Uh, you know, and that's also based on, uh, based on proximity. But I mean, those are the teams. It, it's a really interesting challenge for Nebraska right now. So, 
they're what in the past two years, one and five against that group. We beat Minnesota in 2018 and then just got manhandled up there last year. I mean, it's, it's kind of the challenge itself in a, in a nutshell. And sure, you, you know, you could, you could potentially schedule a win, uh, although, you know, don't be too certain about that. But if you get Iowa or Rutgers, it might be a nice kind of tune up, so to speak. Um, but, I mean, get Illinois or Rutgers, it could be a tune-up. But, I mean, I think and you, you could go all the way to the top and play in Ohio State or Penn State, but for Nebraska, it's kind of to stay focused. Like, the next step for them is, is consistently competing in the division. And to do that, you got to be able to play and beat those kind of teams. And it's something the Huskers are still trying to prove. So that's why they're my three. Now, Brandon, let's say you have to have a big dog against the East in one of those three teams, one of the Ohio States, Penn States. Which big dog are you taking? Um, Penn State's really good. It has the potential to be really good this year, I think. And they're they're kind of cresting in terms of an individual talent level. But I, I still think you want to take your take your swing at Ohio State, despite how despite how some of those games have gone for Nebraska of late. And I'm talking about you know four or five going four or five years back. You kind of had the, the well, you had the one in 2018 where it was like okay, that, that that spurred a lot of kind of what we saw last offseason. I think being able to hang play with an Ohio State team that was still really good. It wasn't quite the the Ohio State. Um, that we've seen in previous or in past in years before, or the Ohio State team that came to Lincoln last year. You know, there was so much buildup towards that game. But I still think I still think if you're you're going to play a team that's top ten caliber, you might as well play the best one. So Ohio State's the pick for me. Brendan Vogel's with us. Few minutes, Hale Varsity dot com and magazines where you read Vogues and. Follow him on Twitter at Brandon L. Vogel. I kind of like that, Vogues. I mean, is that is that a potentially new Hale Varsity uh, T-shirt, the the Triangle of Hate? And, and, <laughs> and you just have different uh, <laughs> different logos or, or, or sayings attributed to the, the Iowa-Wisconsin-Minnesota Triangle? That's uh, that's definitely existing intellectual property, and I can't remember uh, where I'm taking it from. It, it was one of it, it was one of the I think it was one of the uh, writers at SB Nation that you know the group that kind of went on to Banner Society, so Jason Kirk or somewhere along those lines. But um, so yeah, that's that's definitely not mine. We can't trademark that for Hill Varsity, unfortunately. Although you know, a couple weeks ago, back on on the podcast. Uh, Derek and Jacob and I did talk through the the kind of uh, World Cup style scheduling approach to Big Ten, where you would just have fourteen groups and you play each one twice. So yeah. maybe we can maybe we can take take that take credit for that. Brandon Vogel is with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Um, back to Ultimate Frisbee. I mean, what do you think is the, the most? <laughs> really? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But I mean, we are going on month five with you know, limited to zero sports at this point. I watched um, baseball last night. There was some NBA on. We've got something. I said limited to zero. Okay. Limited. Um, yes, it's coming back. But now NPR came out with a thing where they sort of evaluated the different league approaches 
to coming back during COVID and use medical experts to, you know, to to kind of evaluate that sort of thing. And essentially their their conclusion was the NBA um, is doing it right. They're they're doing the best job of all the leagues by creating a bubble and not letting anybody in or out of the bubble. Major League Baseball, it was saying, is kind of doing the worst job just because everybody's traveling all the time and their their testing is delayed, blah, blah, blah. And they equated what a lot of college football is going to do to Major League Baseball. <laughs> right? <laughs> so basically saying the current plan for most of the college football leagues, which is keep traveling and playing every week, basically, um, and have maybe inconsistent testing is similar to major leagues. That's not good. Your reaction to that in any way, shape or form, is there a, is there a method that college football and or the big 10 could take to maybe score a better grade? Or is this the only way you can get games in what's being proposed now? Yeah. So not surprised. The NBA was the best. I think basketball. Well, so the NBA is, taking this really seriously and came up with what I think too is, is a good plan. Now I'm not a medical expert, but part of that is basketball lends itself to it. All you need is a court, two hoops and a campus big enough to house, you know, X number of teams and all of those teams are only 15 players big. So that's, that's a, that's a sizable advantage with major league baseball. Yes. They continue traveling like, uptake in testing, but as we know, there's been some issues there. Really, it's the same Major League Baseball season. Um, you just have no fans in the stands, and, and you're not playing similar series as, as last time. One thing that'll help football is it's not the day-to-day grind of, of baseball, I think. So even if the testing is you know, not kind of NBA level, but, but closer to Major League Baseball, you're not playing tomorrow um, unless, of course, you're testing on Friday. So you've got a little bit of time. That'll help. But I think otherwise you're kind of just li- you know, you're limited by the sport itself. Uh, you, you can't build a bubble for 14 football teams. I mean, you, you can't really build a bubble for even four football teams if you were to, to go regional. Um, and, and the whole thing's underpinned by, like, you can't do this in college because, you know, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, these are student athletes. Uh, so that's that's the whole whole part of it. And well, yes, the the ongoing pandemic. If we don't have college football, the ongoing pandemic will be the reason why. But the under underlying reason, I think, in my opinion, why there was kind of no way around that is because for sixty years the NCAA has kind of upheld this facade of amateurism, and. At a certain point, you know, you couldn't do things that maybe would have been on the table. There was certainly the same financial incentive to do because, hey, these are supposed to be college students. So mm-hmm. finally, that part may may come back. You know, it was a good good half half century run there for the NCAA, but it might come back to bite them in this instance. Mm-hmm. Well, you just nailed that. That's absolutely the correct layout of if we don't have it, it's going to be about control. I mean, safety and health. Yeah. And I'm not like scoffing at that, but 
when push comes to shove, you don't want to, the powers that be do not want to hand over any more control, power, or financing to those that are putting their product on the field. I mean, that's, that's how I look at this. Uh, this is, if we're going to go the health and safety route, then let's just stop talking about playing ball and wait till there's a vaccine or numbers stop going crazy, okay? But in all honesty, it's, it's, a, it's the, the, the economics of this thing that, to me, make the reason we're still talking about it a reality. And I'm okay with that. <laughs> I'm okay with talking about the fact that, you know, there's, there's a lot of dominoes that will fall without a football season, and I don't, I don't want that to be a, ra- a reality. And, I, and I'm also concerned about the, the kids that are actually going to be providing the, <laughs> the spectacle, the entertainment, the kids that are wanting to go play ball. I mean, they, they love doing it. Uh, it's also at a crazy level of time commitment for them as well. So I don't have the perfect answer. I just want to see something kick off. Uh, whether it's September 5th or the end of September. And I just hope we get there. I just hope we get there. I want to get your thoughts real quick, too, folks, on on, on some of Bill Moose's comments to the Journal Star earlier this week and then just the, the timing of the Big Ten with, with their response letter from Commissioner Warren and also the, the co-signature of uh, the, the head honcho at UNMC. Did you find that timing interesting? Um, I mean, I, th- I feel like, <laughs> so we know the SEC was a little bit uh, perturbed, I guess would be the gentle way to say <laughs> we, it. We can say pissed. Ten, you know, <laughs> that the, the Big Ten kind of came out and made its conference-only declaration without really anybody knowing it. It was kind of like, hey, we're, we're doing this because they think it's what's best for us, and I know you guys are going to be mad about it, but we don't care. Um, so I, I did think maybe there's a little bit of gamesmanship of like, okay, well, we're going to be, we're going to announce the same thing. Basically you did, you forced our hand on the 10 conference games. Uh, so we're going to go ahead and announce our schedule, our pushback. I mean, they haven't released the team by team schedules, but so, you know, it felt like the big 10 and it's, it's the ACC also came out this week. Um, Pac 12 had their announcement yesterday. So it was a little bit of, I, I think the big 10 had to do something, uh, that part, <laughs> that part was it. Um, just kind of thinking about the little bit of a horse race here between these conferences because they are competitive. Um, you know, this is, this is statements like I understand the impetus to continue to, <laughs> to hold out hope that you're going to get as many people in that stadium as, as possible. But it just seems like it's either saying the thing that, that people want to hear or it's just kind of willfully, you know, being being overly optimistic, it, it mm-hmm. seems like. I mean, Ohio State at this point. Like, Ohio State brings in more money than any, any team in the Big Ten, maybe first, second, or third, you know, every year nationally in terms of the revenue that athletic program generates. They've already come out and said 20%. So it's kind of like – and I know Ohio is different than Nebraska – there are regional differences here that, that should be factored in, but 
to think that Memorial Stadium is going to be full, it, it just it, it, there doesn't seem to be any way to me that, that, that that's. I mean, it's it's certainly possible, mm-hmm. but is it responsible to do for the overall community? That's what the fan discussion is about. Is like, okay, we can put controls up and do the best we can with a select group of players, staff, uh, support staff, et cetera. But people want to come and watch that and what happens there and, and what's the university's responsibility with that. Um, and that's where things get pretty tough. Any sense, Brandon, you know, Ohio State has uh, their options listed out for season ticket holders where, you know, you can essentially you, you can get in to try to buy to, to get into the stadium. You can kind of bank and hold or you can donate. And there's different repercussions based on what you decide to do in terms of season ticket points and things like that. Assuming Nebraska does something similar, what, any sense for percentage of fans that would elect to just go ahead and donate and pay for things anyways? Or do you think a majority of fans would be like, nope, I'm going to not do that. Give me my full refund, please. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a really interesting question because you know Nebraska really does enjoy unparalleled fan support. Um, there there are plenty of devout fan bases in the country, but when you just look at the willingness to show up for events, et cetera, et cetera, there was there was a time early on where I thought you know maybe you do do that and you make it a kind of we're all in this together play, and and for those who are still able to to donate, you know, I, I think it would be pretty high, but as it's kind of the economic numbers overall, the, the group of people who have been, you know, seriously impacted by this to the point where that's probably not feasible is, is larger than it was when I was first thinking about this a couple of months ago. And just seeing some of the sentiment out there, anytime we, you know, post something about schedule or stadium capacity, et cetera, et cetera. It, it's it's pretty divided, and there, there's the group of people who are also like, "Hey, love you, Nebraska. I'll be back next year, but if there's no games, I need my money back." And I understand that, you know, that makes sense too. So, I, I think you'd have you'd have a good chunk of people who'd be willing to to donate if able, but maybe not quite as big as I initially thought. I initially thought it was a potential way for Nebraska to make up a good chunk of of lost revenue, but. Now it it might be a little bit more of a wash. Vogues, what's coming up this weekend from you and Hale Varsity? Yeah, so continue to um, look for a, a Big Ten announcement. I don't know if that'll happen this weekend, but we're kind of getting ready for that uh, for the weekend. We've got some theoretical schedule chatter going on. Um, pretty excited to see those those Big Ten schedules when whenever those get released um, and had our weekly planning meeting yesterday and like a lot of them it's 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 a lot of contingencies but we'll see if nebraska gets to start fall camp next week um so it it feels like somehow we're in august already um it's a little bit hard to believe and we're going to start talking more kind of traditional football as as much as we can so it's uh it's a little bit of a a flexible plan but i guess that's what we've got to be at this point well, good stuff. Thanks for jumping on. Uh, get back to your frisbee, okay? And we'll uh, we'll dive into some more football next time. Appreciate you jumping on, man. All right, thanks a lot. There he is, Brandon Vogel, with us. 
HailVarsity.com and Magazine Managing Editor and Author Dream Like a Champion with John Cook. That's uh, it's a fun chat with Vogue's and the Triangle of Hate. <laughs> is, that's uh, pretty good. I, I, like, I understand what awesome. you're saying there. I, my only concern is I, I just want to hedge against guaranteeing yourself. I'm not guaranteeing. But it's it's already going to be a long dark winter anyways, right? Here's the thing. Do you really need it with if if you were to pick 3 games, do you really need to go those 3? Yeah, you only got to play 3 games, lost all 3? No, all that's that's, that you... that's why I throw in give me Purdue, give me Iowa, give me Minnesota. Still uh, to, to be able to gauge this season, I want to be able to test how we're doing against the teams that I want to be beating every single year. I don't want to go beat three cupcake teams, maybe one. But That's I, why I, you do the ladder approach. You do a bottom rung, a middle of the road, and a top dog. Right? You do Rutgers, <laughs> Purdue, Wisconsin. That'd and then you got sweet. all three. You, you play Rutgers, and now you're infected, and you don't get to play anymore after one. <laughs> mm. Infected, infected with what? The crappy football or? No, I'm talking, oh, hey, we went to a, a Jersey Shore party and guess what? I coughed on you on third and eight and, yeah. and shut her down. And Maybe. yeah. And, and, you know, knowing Noah Vedral. <laughs> I'm sure that's what he'd be doing. He's no, probably... no, Noah, Noah's probably the, the, like, the only sane dude in Jersey right now <laughs> that's just like, uh, this stuff sucks. I'm staying in my dorm room. Uh, knock, and uh, I will look at you through the keyhole. That's it. Leave me alone. He's pretty competitive. I, I get that, but he's also wise, which means he's I, probably not, you know, in a con- enclosed area, uh, avoiding social distance. I could see him trying to contract COVID to spread it to his opponents. We're going to get sued, and that's not <laughs> I'm true. just kidding. <laughs> I don't think he would awful. do that. I that's really don't think he would do that. No. For the record. Awful. For the record, uh, let's get to the Iron Horse. Gary Sharp's on the way with Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. At Cascade Fountain, please visit lincolnparks.org backslash Cascade. In Lincoln, we spell sports E-S-P-N. 101.5 FM and 1480 AM. Glad to have you back. Yes, sir. You heard me right. Here are the guys, Schmidt and Cranach. Well, Hector, here's the game plan. You're going to bring us two absolute martinis. You know how I like them straight up. And then precisely seven and one half minutes after that, you're going to bring us two more. Then two more after that every five minutes until one of us passes out. Excellent strategy, sir. Weekend edition rolls forward. It's Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt. Mark Cranek, Elijah Herbal, give us a find on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio at Mark Skurs at Herbal Essence. It is Iron Horse time. Gary Sharp is with us. Sharpie, how much baseball have you consumed in the last week? Good to talk to you. Uh, a lot of baseball with nervous uh, excitement that, uh, you know, it'll, it'll last another week and then another week and another mm-hmm. week. I found myself watching a lot of basketball, though. I've enjoyed the last two days of the NBA coming back. It's uh, it's kind of nice. We're into a somewhat normal routine where sports is on continuously. Uh, let's just hope that this all continues and we we go into this more uncharted territory. But it, it's nice to have baseball back. Gary Sharp is with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Um, what do you expect from the Big Ten? 
over the next couple days um, with Kevin Warren basically saying, hey, we know we made the announcement of going to 10 games, but we might not. But we might, but we could. Just hold on. And then he kind of makes um, everybody just wait, and, and everybody's in suspense at this point. Yeah, we're in a holding pattern. Uh, if you would have asked me on Wednesday as the other conferences started to roll out their schedule, I would have said, boom, Big Ten, they'll probably have a delay, but we're ready to go. And then when you hear Bill Moose, the frustration in his voice, and that he's kind of cautious about what's going to happen with the Big Ten, and then you read through the letter that Kevin Warren sent out to the rest of the Big Ten, um, I don't know where the Big Ten is going. I I think there's some concern with Rutgers and Michigan State, and it's not going to be, hey, if we can't have – you know, two, the, the other 12 go. I think they're thinking all 14 have to go. I still think they'll release a schedule that'll be a 10-game conference schedule. It'll probably mimic what we saw with the Pac-12 start mid-September to late September. But at this point, I'm not really sure. I mean, I, I would, we all know it would be nuclear to not have Big Ten football this year if everybody else is trying to make an attempt to play. But I don't think we can say with certainty that the Big Ten is going to play football. I, I think they have a, a strong group of uh, science, health-related uh, professionals that are giving them advice uh, surrounding their schools and their protocols. And, you know, there's some hesitation there. And I also think there's probably some schools, and it'll come down chancellors along with the science that'll make the call um, that are probably saying, hey, this isn't the right thing to do. So I think Kevin Warren's balancing a lot of stuff as a brand-new commissioner. But I'm not super optimistic, guys, and I think that's a frustrating thing in Nebraska because they just want some answers. They want to move forward. They want to know that less than a week now they can start camp uh, for a season that they still don't know who they're playing on opening weekend. So the next question is this. If the Big Ten says we're going to be the one Power 5 league that shuts down in the name of health and safety, fine. Will that prohibit an Ohio State, a Nebraska, a Michigan, Iowa? Can you go put your own 10 games together? It's, it's not a new question, but it might be time to ask it again because if you're shut off by the league, fine. But what about your own house, i.e. your own state, your own economy? And if, if, you're, if your own local health experts say, let's give it a shot, Fine, you've got the medical blessing, and it'd be a little weird because you've got UNMC teamed up with the Big Ten. But could Nebraska go do their own their own thing regionally? I mean, I, I think they probably could, but there goes probably a relationship with the Big Ten. Yeah, if you're looking at money, um, I I mean the Ohio State, the Michigans, and the Nebraskas, you know, they want to play football. I, I still think there's going to be a schedule that will be released by the Big Ten. I just think it's not as solid as maybe we thought a couple of days ago. I also think, you know, next week's a huge week for football, whether it be in this state with what Omaha Public Schools decides for athletics. Um, You know, the NSAA may elect to push back the start of the the season. Uh, And then you have the Board of Governors that are going to meet on Tuesday. Now, they will not make a decision on football at the FBS level, but they could bang all of the fall championships, which then schools and conferences have to make a decision if they're going to move forward with fall sports, like the Big Ten, if they say no, no championship for volleyball. 
does the Big Ten go forward with a conference schedule and then they just play a conference tournament to have a big champion? Or does the Board of Governors canceling everything make schools go, no, we can't have football, that's a bad optic? I, I don't think if, if the decision is to cancel championships in the fall, I don't think that immediately means a death knell for, for football being played this fall. But I think with people that are in the bow ties and the suits um, that are making decisions, they're going to rely on the optics. It's just I I had some optimism as schedules were being released, and then then the whole stuff with the Big Ten hit me, and I'm like, man, I don't I don't know where we're going, but we've kind of been in this situation now for 20 plus weeks. Is there any scenario, Gary, in which the Big Ten will not play? while the SEC and ACC will? Would the Big Ten do that? That's a great question. I don't think so. I mean, the SEC has, you know, people said, well, they're a follower. They're, man, you would think they would make the lead on this and, and look what the ACC did. I think the SEC did the smart thing. They said, we're going to wait until the 26th of September because look at the place where we're at in our footprint that's some of the worst states. We got to get those down. So that gives us a little bit more time. Um, I, I just can't see the Big Ten sitting on the sidelines. Well, they watch the other four power conferences play, um, and I, you know, and I, I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. I, I think right now with the Big Ten trying to make a decision because the Big Twelve will make a decision on Monday. Is they need some leadership? I mean, through all of this, we say, hey, we got to get some leadership. I think. The Big Ten, like if you're looking at it from Nebraska standpoint, they want some leadership. They want some answers. They just want some direction. They want to know that the season is starting on this date and who they're going to play so that they can relay answers to the players that are asking because you've got to know that there are players on Big Ten campuses that are wondering, is it worth it? Do I say, nope, I'm just going to redshirt this year, or I'm not going to play this year, and I'm just going to sit out and get ready for the draft. Coaches want something that they can deliver to their players to give them an answer because players want to play. Coaches want to coach. They just need some direction. And right now, the Big Ten, which went first to say we're having a conference-only schedule, I mean, they're the wild card. You think they would have had the schedule out first Mm -hmm. to be a leader in that. Instead, it just seems like they're waiting for somebody else to make the decision for them. Gary Sharps with us, Hale Varsity Radio Weekend Edition. You just nailed that with you were the first to to kind of start the – the trend of conference only, but you're now going to be the last to have a schedule put together. That seems uh, odd, but but I guess I mean the Big Ten's not going to make a decision until they have to, right? And and they're just going to take a look. and And I hope we do get football. And Sharpie, the the shift of optimism. You're right, man. I mean, we're talking about all these schedules coming out Wednesday and into Thursday, and. All right, Big Ten, your turn. You know, is Nebraska kicking off with Purdue still, or is it Iowa? Or, and uh, we're still waiting. I want a thought from you. If if you could pick, say we start, but we only end up getting three games. This has kind of been our ongoing question of the day. What three teams are you drafting for Nebraska to play? Uh, Iowa, Minnesota, Wisconsin. Okay. Huh? It's the same thing as Brandon Vogel. Did you guys, like – Talk before this, or no? We, I, I was in the uh, green room wearing the uh, soundproof headphones. <laughs> so what about? So you're you're taking the approach of let's just play, you know, the, the three games that sort of mean the most to Nebraska overall, and and in terms of their standing, as opposed to the latter approach, 
where I was saying you start with the Rutgers, you advance to a Purdue middle of the road, you close with the Wisconsin for the measuring stick. Um, I wouldn't be opposed to that, but I think if, if I'm looking at this season, and first of all, I love what the ACC did with no divisions. Yeah. I'd like to see the Big Ten do that, no divisions. I mean, it's one year. Just do something quirky. But you've got to remember that TV has a little bit of say in this, and TV wants some sexy matchups. I mean, look at the SEC. The SEC is insane to play 10 conference games. This could be brutal. They're going to beat the heck out of each other. But TV got their wish to have that conference play 10 conference games only. So why not mix it up in the Big Ten? Um, but if you're only going to get three, man, I think it's from a fan standpoint, those are the three that I want to watch to say, let's play the three closest teams, let's play the three so-called rivals, let's play the three teams that are above you in the division, and let's see where you are. I, guys, it wouldn't surprise me. I, I think the Big Ten, with a schedule, I think they will scrap the original schedule. Okay. And they will start over, which means, wouldn't that be something? And if it's five weeks from today or, I don't know, eight weeks from today, Nebraska and I would have kicked off the season in Iowa City. That'd be sweet. That'd be fun. And it'd be good weather. Yeah, it would get your attention. Yeah, I mean, because there's speculation on the other side of the division that the Ohio State-Michigan game is going to either be the opener or within that first three weeks of a schedule. I mean, how about, how about that? That gets, that gets a little intrigue going. That gets you a little fired up for a football conference only, right? No, oh, it is. Sharpie, I want to switch gears and, and kind of get your read on, on high school ball, specifically in Omaha, with you have different school districts uh, in the region. And, and what's your, your feel right now with OPS and athletics? First of all, I want everybody to know that's listening out there that I'm trying to become the male version of Blindside. I live in a good school district in Omaha. Um, I have running water. I have a Roomba. I have a nice kitchen. I have a couch. Um, I have good Internet. Uh, I got a pool. I got a weight room, all of that stuff. So if anybody would like to send me their top-level uh, high school prospect, that is has to be a Power 5 prospect, either male or female, I've got a place for you. Um, I say that a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but that's happening. We see what's happening in Iowa. Um, I think the NSAA is going to discuss that on Monday. In regards to what they do in this town, I think LPS is kind of watching OPS, but I get the feel that LPS is, they want to play sports. Mm -hmm. And usually it's the other way around where OPS is the leader in sports and LPS is like "Ah, a little bit, you know, they're not as quick and, and then LPS schools have trouble competing with OPS schools. I think OPS on either Monday or Tuesday is a complete wild card, guys. They could say we are only going to participate in athletics if the season is pushed back or we're only going to do it with our schools. I mean, we, I, I, at this point, I don't know what OPS is exactly going to do, but I get a sense that they're not going to do what everybody else wants to do, which may trigger the NSAA to look at football. Now, we're just talking about football to possibly push football back in Class A a couple of weeks. But it's a big, it's a big uh, either Monday or Tuesday when they make the announcement here in this town because it affects, you know, it affects some really good OPS programs, but there's some prospects that may not play this year. And if they don't play and OPS decides not to play football, 
I mean, do those kids have a chance to transfer? You know, what does that do? That's it's, it's a, it would be it'd be outside of the bylaws of the NSA. So watch that. That's why I say next week is such an important week for football, in state, out of state, on where we are moving forward, and hopefully a good week for this country mm. in trying to battle something. But let's be honest, political or not, none of us thought we'd be sitting in this seat on August one, still talking about the season being up in the air. We thought we'd have a handle on it. We'd feel a little bit more confident that with our schools and our campuses reopening, that five weeks from today, we'd be having a football season. No one can guarantee that five weeks from today, you're going to be watching a game from Memorial Stadium. Gary Sharp is with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Uh, God, it's, it's so interesting with the youth sports. Wouldn't there be enough out there now? Because, look, baseball's in full swing. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're not paying attention to that, like maybe you're just if you're out driving around, maybe you're not in the baseball or softball world. But that stuff is happening as though there's no pandemic. And, Chris, mm-hmm. I don't know about you, but there are precautions in place. It's been great. Right. We, we've been to Omaha a hundred times. We've had games in Lincoln. And but no one follows those precautions. Right. Like, well, it's, it's, just, it's been fine. It's just baseball. You got I mean, kids yeah. in the dugout. Yeah. Playing. Right? You have fans in the stands. Maybe a couple of them are roped off or something. It is. I mean, the, the way it's, it's been. Just, it's not. The way it's been handled. I'll say this, guys. Let me just jump in on the on the youth side of things. It's been great. I mean, no one's come down with it that, that I know of. I mean, that's with, what I'm saying. With, with our team, it's, and yeah, there's been sanitizer. The kids are spaced out. Parents are are you know congregating in their chairs or if there are bleachers were spaced out there it's been fine it's, it's been okay. i'm just saying it's only to the trained eye does this look way different than a non-covid baseball season and i'm, I'm just wondering based off of that is, is there anybody monitoring that <laughs> is there, well, are any it, of the officials looking at being like okay what is happening when we get all these teams together with regularity and parents okay, so, together so with regularity so, so let me answer that question because that's a question that I've asked. Um, they have watched closely how the Shrine Bowl went. Mm-hmm. They've watched closely how some seven-on-seven have gone. Especially they've watched closely of Legion Baseball, which is not under the umbrella of NSAA. And Legion Baseball, for the most part, has gone really well. Um, you know, you've had a couple of teams that have had to be sidelined, uh, some players that have had to uh, step away. But coaches and players have had a responsibility, and they were able to pull it off. Uh, Legion Baseball has now come to an end. Um, I think the biggest, you know, the biggest thing is you're looking at numbers and cases, and you're hearing rates got to be down, and, and the whole debate about being, schools being opening, that they're like, well, why are we talking about sports right now? And there is no coach that I've talked to that said we cannot pull, we can't do this, that we will find a way to do it and do it responsibly because that's what we do. That's what we want to do. And we will do our part to make it happen. I just think that the athletic side here in this city, um, their voice, which is loud, I think that their voice doesn't get all the way to the top. Mm. And that's why I think there's a, you know, there's, kind of a stiff arm of, well, maybe we shouldn't have athletics here in Omaha. Maybe OPS should take the fall off because we got to worry about getting our schools open and keeping our kids safe in school before we ever worry about them going through with athletics. But you're absolutely right, Mark. Youth sports 
and high school sports, they've been able to pull it off and they've been able to do it. And there's going to be hiccups. We're in the middle of a pandemic trying to get back to the little bit of normalcy that is with sports. Um, I think the good school districts, the good athletic directors, the good principals, superintendents, they've all shared information on how this is going to work. And I guarantee you that athletic directors and coaches have shared information with the baseball side and other sports that have been going on that they can pull this off. Now, why OPS got a little bit concerned is because basketball, which is you know big in this town, grassroots AAU basketball, there have been a lot of cases of kids that have had to step aside because they've tested positive or teams that have had to pull out a tournament where I think kind of put up the red flag of OPS. Um, I, I, don't, I, I wish I had an answer for you on what OPS is going to do, but I'm not super confident that they're going to say move forward, which may be the trickle effect of Class A football being moved back. Gary Sharp with us. Sharpie, uh, thanks for the info, man. Appreciate you jumping on and uh, sobering discussion points, but uh, we, we had to have them, and, and thanks again for your input, man. Well, I'm hoping, you know, I'm hoping we'll have some good news this upcoming week. We need good news when it comes to, first of all, the country. We need good news when it comes to sports because there's a lot of people that are waiting for answers. You know, I, I scrolled through the pictures of Kansas and Oklahoma working out yesterday, and that was football porn to me, thinking, look at the helmets. They look different. They have the face shield. Boy, this can work. I hope it can work. There's enough people that want to make it work. It's not going to be easy at all. We know that. The biggest problem with college football is that it's college. But it's worth, it's worth trying to pull it off. And hopefully we have a good week. We have some leadership. We get some answers, and we can move forward, and we get back to arguing about sports and, and most importantly, breaking down Nebraska's 10-game schedule. That's about right. Sharpie, we'll talk again soon, buddy. Thanks again. Hey, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, you. Gary. It's Gary Sharp. Oh, imagine that. Think about that. Look, the schedule is always one of those things that you can look ahead to for years. Be like, oh, that 2027 schedule, look out. <laughs> But this is a case where it's just going to land on your lap, yeah, like a little league, like a like little league. <laughs> be like, wait, who do we play? When? What? I mean, it's going to come out, and that that'll be fascinating to see how they stack that. Cranack, we all hope to bump into you this weekend as we're headed up to Omaha, the Lincoln A's, and uh, thanks for this morning, man. It was good to chat. Yes, sir. Let's be in touch. All right. Elijah, good stuff. We'll be back at you Monday at 4 with Hale Varsity. Have a great weekend. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. You've got your very own handyman to help remodel your home. Some bathrooms look like a pink nightmare. And another one that looked like a barn stall. This is Erica from Handyman. Our August vanity and faucet sale is on. Hey, I'm Joel. There really are some ugly bathrooms out there. Thanks to everyone who entered our ugly bathroom contest. If one of them is yours, or maybe yours is a little tired looking, come to Handyman. We'll help you do it yourself, or we'll introduce you to our approved list of plumbers and contractors. For a complete, no more ugly makeover. Our vanity and faucet sale is going on right now through the end of August. It's so easy to pick one out. They're right on the sales floor. Bring your tape measure, your imagination, and say goodbye to your ugly bathroom.